welcome to the Real Democracy podcast. This is a new podcast and its aim is to try to get beyond just analysing and bemoaning this new capitalist world disorder that we're living through. And instead, we want to look at what's happening, but also with this growing resistance movement as a starting point, we want to focus on how protests against the current system can transform themselves into a movement for fundamental change. So the Real Democracy movement's goal is to work with other people to shape a new political structure that transfers economic and political power into the hands of the people. Is that possible? Is it too much to hope for? This is what we're going to be exploring. I'm Penny Cole. I'm a member of the Real Democracy movement and I've been very active in the anti-fracking movement here in Scotland. And for this opening podcast, we've brought together Paul Feldman, writer, editor, democracy activist, including developing the Charter of Rights and other similar in, uh, initiatives to do with the Constitution. Corinna Lotz writes about philosophy and art and is also active in the Real Democracy movement. Jerry Gold, who's based in Wales, focuses on capitalist economics and in particular in its relation to climate change. So we're going to start by having an taking, trying to create an overview of the current situation. Because we are in the midst of a, a, a wave of strikes, uh, social movements against climate change, popular movements against the cost of living crisis. This is a poll starting with you. This is a very diverse movement. Does it need to be more joined up, more fundamental? How can it be? Over to you. Thanks, Benny. Well, it is certainly diverse um, and it's, it's growing day by day. I mean, we've had the Royal College of Nursing now for the first time going to have a national ballot on strike unheard of. Um, so there are big things happening. Um, you could say we're heading for a social confrontation on a scale not seen since the 1970s. Energy and food prices gone through the roof and the new Tory government has declared uh, a class war on people. Truss and Kwarteng are a kind of reverse Robin Hood. They're stealing from the poor to feed the rich. Their fantasy policies have uh, already wrecked public finances and driven up interest rates. People will lose their homes this winter as a result, no doubt. And massive public spending cuts are definitely on the way. So it's no wonder that the cost of living strikes have taken off and that hundreds of thousands of people have joined the Enough is Enough campaign and taken part in protests. But it's clear the Tories don't care. They're planning to bring in new laws to block uh, transport strikes, crack down on eco-activists. They're also their Brexit bill, uh, which has just been introduced to the same day as the mini budget, is going to scrap all uh, EU protection of rights for hours and holidays and stuff like that, which workers in this country enjoy. So I would say this is about how we are governed, how we are ruled over by the state, about who has the power 
and who doesn't. So the system is not granting concessions. So the diverse movement that you talked about, Penny, is actually building in opposition to the government. It has a common purpose. If enough is enough, which it is, the question to ask is what kind of economic and political system should we fight for? And when should that kind of struggle begin? And I'll come back to that later. I'm going to come back to all of you later on to hear what you think are the immediate actions and answers to uh, what we're facing. But just following on from what Paul has said, can we um, perhaps um, come to you, Jerry, and, and explore a wee bit more about the economics of the situation that we're in? Sure. Um, very briefly, bad as it is, the cost of living crisis is a sign of something far more profound. Experts are warning that the world's economy is entering into a period of deep recession. Some even say that the global system is descending into its worst ever crisis. So it's no wonder that the Tory government's growth chasing war on the working class involving tax reductions for the rich and increased debt all round was met with such universal scorn. Jerry, when you write about economics, I've noticed that you, you always talk about replacing rather than reforming today's capitalist society. Is it impossible to reform capitalism? What, what, why is it not possible? Well, what, what's the underlying nature of capitalism? Well, capitalism, as everybody knows, is all about keeping the profits flowing to shareholders. But it's the competition for those profits that, in the good times, forces the push for growth. Corporations have to increase production, use more raw materials, extract and burn more fossil fuels, grab more land, and expand their markets. And they have to drive up the intensity of the exploitation of their workers. They don't have a choice. Corporations, banks and governments and the states that they act for must seize every opportunity to sustain their system. They really don't have a choice. So when growth turns to recession, as today, they have to cut production, close factories, reduce costs, slash wages, and eviscerate working conditions. And they have to resort to war. So reforms have at times in the past slowed the pace, but they can't stop the rot. But why don't reforms work? Well, this competition for profitability over time forces the whole system into decline, forces profitability into decline. Their answer since the 1970s has to be issuing cheap credit or new money to keep the system afloat. The argument was it would encourage investment, but the decline in profitable production saw the new money finding its way into unproductive property, stock markets, hedge funds, and the offshore accounts of the super rich. And that widened the gap between the rich and the poor. Many companies became dependent on, addicted to this debt to stay afloat. Pretty soon, 
they could hardly pay the interest, let alone distribute any profit. And now with the onset of the global recession, they're going bankrupt in hundreds of thousands. Inflation is raging as we know, and interest rates are on the rise in a hopeless attempt to restrain it. That can only make things worse, deepening the recession. So mortgage payments, credit card bills, food and energy are becoming unaffordable. As the cost of living crisis deepens, millions of people will be cold, hungry and homeless this winter. Thanks, Jerry. I'll come back to you later to talk a bit more about alternative economic ideas. But coming to you, Corinna, clearly whatever happens in order to change this situation, it has to come from, from human beings. What do you think we can learn from these big events of, uh, of these big recent events, even just the last month of September, to, to help us to see how humanity can begin to deal with uh, and move ahead on these problems? How do you see the mood in the UK now? Well, it's now a, a government just precariously presiding over a people, which are basically the, most of the people who have to work and struggle just to stay warm, just to eat and keep a roof over our heads. And, and the fact that they've split their own party uh, by playing with fire and giving handouts to the rich um, is causing enormous disquiet. We're in a state of anger and disquiet, which is not only amongst those who are suffering at the, at the bottom of the heap, but within the ruling classes themselves, particularly within the Conservative Party. But how does this affect, you know, ordinary people? How does this change ordinary people? I mean, didn't the millions who watched the Queen's funeral demonstrate that the British simply love an outdated monarchy, monarchy system? Uh, well, there is, that is true. There's, yes, I'd answer yes and no. The fact is that younger generations are turning against the monarchy. And uh, we're seeing uh, unprecedented militancy amongst huge masses of people in different ways on different issues, which show that people just aren't accepting the, the status quo. They're not accepting this um, suffering that's being imposed, not only on them, but on the planet itself. And uh, this change in mood is, is, is countered by the political parties who are trying to uh, enforce the idea that the system has to stay the way it is and that the only form of rule we could possibly have in the best of all possible worlds is parliamentary democracy. But I mean, I think the, the Queen's passing actually marks for many people, they see that there's an end of a, a period of history. It's the ending of that period. And that creates a new period, new epoch, which has got huge dangers of the dictatorship and even fascism. Um, but as well as an opportunity for creating a different, a, a better and a different future. So the mood is switched from just spectating this, um, what's, you know, what's being off, what's on offered to anger and outrage and, and potentially something, new forms of political um, struggle. 
So the switch in the mood from spectating events to finding ways to participate in events is in effect what you what you're talking about. Um, so just to come to our second part um, and coming back to you, Paul, you've talked about you know the, the crisis of the system by which we are governed. What, what do you think is the way forward to challenge and change that apparently everlasting uh, system? Well, as Hegel once says, everything that exists deserves to perish. And that's what we're seeing now, I think. The new world disorder that you talked about, uh, I think Russia's invasion of Ukraine is a symptom of that. With the global economy on the rocks, as Jerry has described, we do need a new way forward because it's not just in Britain, this change. Italy, Sweden has joined the UK in having a far-right government. In the United States, the Republican Party has, uh, under Trump, sections of it has embraced fascism, no doubt about it. What lies beyond our decaying liberal democracy is anyone's guess, but it, it won't be pretty unless we take some action. So the way forward, I think we need to support all the strike and other movements that have emerged against the government and campaign for them to broaden their scope. They are in effect struggles against the state and they do beg the question of who has the power. So if we could bring actions against the government together in citizens assemblies set up in every community in the UK, that would be a way forward. And they would have the potential to become rival centers of power challenging the way we are ruled. They could go further and they could create constitutional conventions to work on proposals for a truly new democratic political system. And the outcome, the desired outcome, would be that rural power would rest with the people rather than the shareholders, the stock market and tame politicians. So that's the revolutionary road, in my opinion, we should be taking. And just finally, the danger signals are there the Tories could collapse and we could therefore face a national government which might suspend our liberties and impose drastic cuts. So a government of citizens assemblies could block and defeat such a threat and that threat is pretty real and coming up very soon. Gary, do you, do you want to say a bit about, you know, alternative ways of approaching the way human beings produce what they need in order to live? Sure. Um, well, the capitalist system, the profit system, is the cause of multiple crises. And climate change is just threatening the survival of life on the planet. So this is the moment when change beckons, revolutionary change. There are plenty of examples of people trying to do things in a different way. And as Paul says, through citizens' assemblies, these campaigns could become a springboard for stepping beyond protest to take the food and energy corporations into democratic community control and cooperative ownership, then switching to not-for-profit operation. But why stop with them? We could do this with transport, communications, water, buildings, every part of the economy including banking and finance. Then we could cancel the debt. Wow, <laughs> that's a big ask. Um, 
and a, a, a spectacular idea, the transformation of the way we produce into a cooperative effort uh, in which we're all involved and from which we all benefit as opposed to the current system. So um, I'm coming back to, to, to you, Corinna, and what, what is the what is the kind of mindset, as it were, the kind of consciousness that would be needed in order to, to carry through such a massive change? I think we can draw some ideas and inspiration from what is happening in Ukraine. For our situation here, um, Ukrainians are actually in an existential struggle for their identity against a huge power which has nuclear arms they they their motivation is they want they crave a democratic society unlike that of russia which is a dictatorship and they their ideals are self-rule and democracy and they it shows that with these can be a very powerful force and that with this motivation with strong leadership and outside help a smaller force can defeat potentially a huge armed power, but obviously it's not. Nothing is guaranteed. But for us, it's, it it shows that we it's time to actually embrace a different identity that of which it historically Britain has had in different moments. It has been a beacon of democracy in in certain times of history, and we can and should pick up those threads and aspire to a truly democratic state that has its own traditions and even its, its beauty. So as individuals, we can make a huge difference if we understand that and, and act in a moment where we can see huge uncertainty and, and transformation. But clearly that requires not only organization, but also strategy and leadership, which as Paul and Jerry have suggested, it could be achieved and can be achieved through grassroots citizens' assemblies that don't uh, just uh, beg beg from Parliament, but actually assert rights, their rights, our rights, and take what is actually rightfully ours. Thanks very much. And thank you to Paul, Jerry, and Corinna for that opening podcast. This is the first of a series of podcasts and if you've been intrigued or interested and would like to follow up more, then please subscribe to the podcasts and get alerts about new ones. We'll be uh, looking at a whole series of crucial areas. We'll be interviewing a lot of people who are already thinking about this uh, need to make the transition beyond capitalism in their very many different spheres from art and culture to climate um, and and economics um, so please subscribe to the podcasts and get alerts about the next ones check out our the real democracy movement's online free political education course and join the conversation about how we can achieve system change. If you visit 
realdemocracymovement.org. You can find all the links for all of this there and more information plus other articles. Thanks very much and goodbye for now. Thank you.